Hello, and welcome to Think Hard, the podcast where two trained philosophers think hard about the real world. I'm Danielle Lasusa. I'm a philosophical coach in Portland, Oregon, and with me today, as always, is my magnificent co-host, Jose Muniz. Hey, everybody. I'm Jose Muniz, and I teach at Lehman College in the Bronx. And today, we have a very special guest with us, Jeff Gunther. Woo! Yes, we're very excited to have you. Jeff is a therapist here in Portland, Oregon with me. He's been in practice since 2005. So Jose, you're going to love this already because he's a psychotherapist by training and I'm sure you guys have a lot to say to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff is also the creator and owner of the Portland Therapy Center and Therapy Den, which is a local and national therapist directory, respectively. He also has a podcast of his own called Say More About That, about trending mental health topics. So, Jeff Gunther, we are so excited to have you with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it for quite a while, and I am excited to be the defender of <laughs> law of attraction. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, that reveals our topic for today's episode. We are going to talk about the law of attraction. Now, in order to follow along in this episode, I highly recommend to all of our listeners that you go back and listen to our previous episode, number 37, Vision Board, an episode in which Jose and I talk about the various merits and pitfalls or shortcomings as we see them of the law of attraction. (laughs) And Jeff is a friend of mine and we were chatting about it. He listened to the episode and he said that he had never so much wanted to climb through his earbuds and into (laughs) a podcast to defend the law of attraction. And so I invited him on to do so. And Jeff, I would just say that uh, Mm -hmm. you're such a a wonderful person for coming here and and defending the law of attraction and for continuing your friendship with Danielle after (laughs) she slandered that theory for two, almost three hours straight. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a really good friend and all friends have imperfections and flaws and I accept hers. And I also understand that law of attraction is like so easy to dunk on. So the feeling of wanting to like jump through my earbuds and defend it is a common feeling whenever I hear like most people talk about the law of attraction. I've never been able to do it. This is kind of like a dream come true. I also want to say this feels like a total setup. Because I'm not a philosopher. And so I'm like one of those people that's just like, yeah, stand-up comedy seems pretty easy. I could probably get up there and be just as funny. And I'm feeling like, yeah, these philosophers, I could just be as good as them or smart as them. So this feels like a total setup and I'm going to get demolished. But still, I want to play. Well, you're a good sport about it. I make no promises about how this is going to (laughs) go. But I will say that one thing that Jose and I always try and do is be open-minded and listen and, you know, be careful and honest. So we're going to be as compassionate as we can be in this. Great. I'm not going to (laughs) be. So, Jeff, tell us a little bit about your background with the law of attraction. I'm like old school law of attraction. I was into it way before Oprah and The Secret got into (laughs) it. If that gives me cred, which it should, (laughs) it does. So, yeah, I started studying law of attraction stuff when I was 20. So that was almost 20 years ago. And I got into it first by like learning and reading about past lives. So there's a type of therapy called past life regression where you hypnotize a person, they go into their past lives and they talk about it. 
you get into past life regression, then you get into like all the stuff. So from there, I got into like channeled material, which is when somebody goes into a trance state and communicates with a spirit from outside of our like physical reality. Stay with me. <laughs> I feel like you're already making a face. No, this is great. This is okay, great. good. <laughs> and then if you get into channeled material, which is just these spirits from above being like, okay, earthlings, this is how reality works. Then just like a whole bunch of other books open up to you. And you start to read about, like I said, past life regression, channel material, near-death experiences, quantum mechanics or quantum physics and stuff, uh, meditation masters, people who claim enlightenment, psychics, people who go on like psychedelic trips with LSD or mushrooms or ayahuasca, all of the stuff that opens up where they're talking about like how the universe really works. So I got into that 20 years ago, started teaching law of attraction classes once like Oprah got really into really? the secret. And I was like, I'm capitalizing on this. <laughs> <laughs> and I law of attracted a bunch of people <laughs> into my law of attraction groups. And I did that for a few years. And then I decided to focus mainly on my private practice and being a therapist. And law of attraction has fell by the wayside. But it's something that I'm still like really interested and passionate about. Okay, so I'm going to say a thing just for the benefit of our listeners, which is, Jeff, I don't know you super well. But as a person who I've met in the world, you do not seem like a crazy person. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I agree. In general, you seem like a really sane and present guy who like has has a bunch of really successful businesses, lives in this very nice house, has a normal life, and all of the, you know, past life regressions and channel materials sounds a bit crazy. <laughs> and it seems to me like you've been able to integrate this stuff into your life in a way that seems to work for you and make sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested to listen and to sort of see how this goes, maybe challenge some of your claims and, and see where they come from. I agree. I'm a very reasonable guy. <laughs> Well, I'll say, yes, this seems insane, what you've just said. <laughs> now, I happen to have a weird position here, which is I just think everybody believes in insane stuff. It's just when you're with enough of a people who agree with you, it doesn't seem insane. So I believe the things I believe are insane to non-Jose believing people. What I think would be really helpful to start out with is a clear articulation. When you talk about the law of attraction, what are you yourself talking about? Maybe we're just talking about different things. No, oh, okay, we're talking great. about the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, this thesis for you today is you think the law of attraction is right. I mean, clearly you've done a lot of teaching and thinking about it and you want to defend it wholeheartedly. Is that true? That is true. My theory or my little argument that I wanted to come out with was the law of attraction is our best theory on how the universe works and there isn't anything problematic about it. Oh my God, I can't wait. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, so now you can answer Jose's question. You think that we got the definition of the law of attraction right, at least. Yeah, I do. And I wanted to talk a little bit about how the law of attraction works. It is very simple and basic. I mean, it sounds simple and basic, but it's actually like kind of complicated. And I'll go into that a little bit. The things that you think about become reality. That's basically it. But like, let's break it down. And let's start with how it actually works. There's three steps to like use the law of attraction successfully. The first step is that you have to ask for it. You can ask for it thinking about it, creating a vision board, just visualizing or meditating on it. 
I want a Lamborghini, <laughs> right? Like you both were mm -hmm. talking about last time. So first step, ask for it. That's really simple. We're doing it all the time, whether we know it or not. It's just like a desire. You have a desire, you're asking for it. The second step, we don't have to worry about the second step at all because the universe takes care of the second step. The second step is the universe gets it ready and is getting ready to provide it for you. So the universe will like change reality around in whatever way it needs to do in order to put it in front of you. And the third step is the most difficult and barely anyone can do it. Although we're like already doing like all the time, it's just hard to do it intentionally and deliberately. The third step is believe that it's going to happen to you. And that's incredibly hard to do. So if somebody is, okay, I'm going to ask for a Lamborghini. They've done the first step. The second step, the universe takes care of. They're going to like get that Lamborghini ready for you. And the third step is actually believing and accepting that it's going to come into your life. So it's like if you're driving through a drive-thru and you order your food at the first speaker and then you drive to the next window you believe wholeheartedly 100 you're going to get that food handed to you that's what you have to get to you have to believe that 100 wholeheartedly that that lamborghini is going to show up for you in whatever way fits your belief system mm. that's it three steps ask for it then the universe makes it and then you have to go in and expect it with confidence yes that's all you got to do what is the role of expecting it with confidence why do you have to expect it I mean, if the universe is getting it ready, why does it matter? Well, yeah, good question. That's just how it works. Okay. <laughs> if you don't believe something is going to happen for you or be received or something like that, then the universe can do everything it needs to do, but you're never really going to see it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when they say about like positive thinking, so there's like a lot of positive thinking when it comes to law of attraction. The positive thinking part is positive belief system part. You have to positively believe that it's going to happen and that completes everything for you. I don't know why there has to be a third step, but there just is a third step. I have a question about the second step. The universe makes it for you. So in our original episode, Vision Board, Jose and I were both pretty convinced that if you dream about a Lamborghini, the universe does not rearrange the molecules <laughs> in the universe to like bring you the Lamborghini and make it for you. Like, what do you mean when you say the universe does the work for you? I mean, exactly that. It's hard to believe. That sounds very far-fetched. <laughs> but your arguments against a lot of these things is just, that doesn't sound right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So the problem is, is that it's really hard to like scientifically prove all this stuff. Like what there's like maybe like quantum physics and mechanics or quantum physicists that are trying to prove it. I'm not like an expert on any of that, but people are trying to do that scientifically. But if you ask a scientist, how much do you know about the universe? An honest scientist will probably say like, we know detailed information about 1% of how the universe works. <laughs> so 99% of what the universe is doing, we have no understanding of it. We understand the third dimension, but there's 10 dimensions. Who knows what's happening in all those other dimensions? So you're sort of, you're asking me to explain something in like words or tools that like we don't actually have. And so that's why I look to psychics or channel material or whatever, somebody that access another realm that knows a lot more about the universe, some sort of spirit or whatever. And they report on all these different ways that the universe is incredibly powerful and magical and can do whatever the hell it wants to do. You just have to meet it halfway and believe it. I don't know if that answers your question, though. Well, the universe did make a Lamborghini. I mean, there <laughs> are Lamborghinis. There are. What I think I understand when people say the universe makes it happen or does the work is that it is made possible. So I couldn't ask for something that's a contradiction. 
I wouldn't say that the universe could make a stone that the universe couldn't pick up or one of those stupid things. Right, right. Bring me a square circle. (laughs) Right. Something that is internally inconsistent or logically inconsistent. So clearly there are Lamborghinis. So it is possible. And I think that's one way of understanding what it means to say it makes it possible or does some work. On the other hand, I don't really care too much about scientific evidence. I have my own kind of beef with scientists. But yeah. What if two people want the same thing that's mutually exclusive? So I want to be the president of Harvard and someone else wants to be the president of Harvard. And there can only be one president of Harvard. What would the law of attraction say to me on that? You can go ahead and maybe you're first the president and the other person is second after you. Um, but that's <laughs> that starts to get into like other even more complicated things that we all have our own reality that we're experiencing and there's parallel realities. I'm not an expert on parallel realities, but that's sort of like where it would go. If you're asking for like the same exact thing, president of Harvard, president of the United States, whatever it is, you can both get that in your own personal reality that you're identifying with and then with like another person reality that somebody else is identifying with you see how slippery i have like i could answer any of these questions but you could hear it and be like "Mm, that sounds pretty dumb (laughs) (laughs) well i think another possible answer if you don't want to go into all of the complicated parallel realities that you could give is well maybe one person is ready to receive presidency of harvard and the other person isn't right yeah or or maybe one person is first and you know the other person isn't so another answer that would be more in line with like our reality is that if I want to be president and and Jose you want to be president mm-hmm. you have to look at what's behind that I want to be president because I want the status you want to be president because you want to have influence over an important institution so it might be that the law of attraction is like oh Jeff really just wants status like let's go ahead and give him some job that will give him that feeling of status and let's go ahead and give Jose the feeling of feeling like they have like influence over an important academic institution. And even if I'm asking for a Lamborghini, I'm asking for the feeling that I would get in attaining a Lamborghini. So the universe might be like, oh, that's actually not a Lamborghini. It's more of a BMW. So that's what you're getting. (laughs) Um, You'll get a BMW and you'll like it, mister. (laughs) Which actually I prefer. You can take the Lamborghini. I'm taking the BMW. Part of your answer here is that there's this limit to what we can know about how the universe works. And so the thing that is appealing to me about all of this, though, is that the question becomes, well, what works for you, right? In a way, it becomes very pragmatic, because given this underpinning of the law of attraction, you've been able to do things in your life and have successes, and you credit this belief system with those successes. 100%. That's interesting to me. What undergirds the metaphysical reality of it. Obviously, we all have limits to understanding this world or any other world. But I think it's the pragmatic part of it that interests me. Even if all of the metaphysical stuff Mm -hmm. is, in fact, metaphor, Mm -hmm. that it still has worked for you. Can you speak to that? It works for you, too. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Whether you like it or not. It's sort of like you asking me, like, so it sounds like you've really taken advantage of the law of gravity. (laughs) How is it working for you? And how am I not? Well, it's like, well, I've just accepted that the law of gravity is a law of gravity. And it's working for you. And it's working for everybody else. Although I can answer that question and not like such a (laughs) stupid or annoying way. (laughs) 
Growing up, I think you actually kind of mentioned this in the previous podcast about law of attraction, but I grew up in a Jewish family and my Jewish family was just like giving me all these messages. You're smart. We value money. You need to live in a nice house. You need to like be an entrepreneur and own your own businesses. That's like the smartest way to do it. Almost everyone on like my Jewish side of the family is doing exactly what I'm doing. I'm just like copying them, which is pretty much what you guys, you both said that a lot. Like, oh, well, if you're like around these types of people. But what I see from that is that like I inherited these belief systems that I'm smart and that I'm privileged and I can use it, have a business and get a nice house. So I believed in all of those things. And then like all of the desires, all the things that I asked for came through in my behavior. So the way that you know, I have a desire and I'm asking for it and that desire manifests through my behavior and that I'm going to be really aggressive when it comes to like starting businesses. I'm going to like see what's working and then do my own version of it or whatever. And every time I do that, I'm asking for something really specific. I believe 100% that the universe is going to go ahead and rearrange itself in whatever way it needs to in order to meet me. And then it fits neatly into my already formed belief systems that my parents have implanted. It's harder for me to manifest other things that weren't already implanted by belief systems installed by my socialization and family life. For example, I'm not a baseball player. Every little Jewish boy in my family is not a baseball player or not super athletic. So I never believed that I was actually going to be a professional baseball player. I really wanted it. I wanted it more than anything in my life (laughs) to play for the Chicago Cubs. Mm. (laughs) Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And that's because my belief never matched the desire so that I like never actually became that. Does that answer your question? No. So... (laughs) So the first part, yes, we've talked about that. I think we're all on the same page there. That there is a kind of socialization and all that. But do you honestly believe that it is only your lack of belief that has kept you from being athletic? That has kept me from being a a Chicago Cub? I'm athletic. I'm just not athletic enough to make the uh, Major League Baseball team. That's my belief. Mm. Why doesn't that sit well with you? Because I think if you look at the numbers... There are tons of people, and the very last person who gets into the major leagues is probably on a certain level because of how few slots there are and how many people want to play baseball, indistinguishable from the first person in the minor leagues. Mm -hmm, That the difference, I don't think, can really be said to be based on one person believed it more, right? I I just don't think in in, in certain issues I could see that. Being an entrepreneur is about taking risks. And so if you have this kind of confidence, it predisposes you to being successful in certain ways. But then in other things, the numbers are just such that what determines success or determines completing something couldn't possibly be on the basis of some feeling or belief of confidence simply because there's just not enough seats for that. Right. So you're saying that if everyone who had the belief that they would join the Cubs were on the Cubs, there'd be like a thousand Cubs. Yeah. There's people who've dedicated their entire lives. You know, they're Mm -hmm. they're 30, 35, 40 years old, were in the minor leagues, had just as much confidence, just as much belief, but there's only like, you know, a 40 man roster. (laughs) So like if, you know, 50,000 people are like that, the vast majority of them just won't get in. Right. But it's not because of their lack of belief or even their lack of any talent. They're just certain circumstances. So you're being like really pragmatic and logical about this. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Which is the problem. 
Guilty as charged. <laughs> I'm going to like stick to my guns here. Mm-hmm. If you ask anybody who's playing on the Cubs or any Major League Baseball team, did you ask for it and did you believe it? They'll all say yes. So it's it's worked for all of them, probably, I'm guessing. They really, really believed in it and they asked for it and the universe was able to like set this up for them. But I'm going to stand behind the fact that all the thousands, millions, maybe other people that wish they were playing on these like little 25 and 40 man rosters, mm-hmm. they just didn't believe it as much as all the other folks. So there you go. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I guess you could also say that the universe, in the same way that the Lamborghini... Or the president of Harvard. Right. Like the universe sent them some alternative. Right. You know, so we take can your go, BMW. If I wanted to be like a major league baseball player, maybe I only wanted to do that to get my dad's approval, which is probably 90% of why I wanted to become a baseball player. And guess what? I got his approval without having to be a baseball player. And I hate traveling and sleeping in hotels. So this works out so much better for me. This is what you're really asking for. And we're going to give it to you in another way. I mean, I think the thing about this is that it's an attitude of affirmation of whatever is for you. This is what was supposed to happen. This is what the universe gave me. And this is what I must have needed, right? It's like this great faith that Mm. there is wisdom in the universe and that the universe will bring you what you need. And I think that it's almost like this radical acceptance of what you've been given in your life. Yeah, 100%. What do you think about all of like the social justice problems, though? Like you're a social justice minded kind of guy. Totally. I am. That's my whole thing right now. Well, those poor people didn't want it enough. I mean, like, what do you say to that? So another way to kind of like phrase law of attraction stuff is that it's not so much that the poor people don't want it enough. It's that everything that's in your reality, your money, your house, your relationships, your friends, your whatever, you're in agreement with it. So you're in agreement with what's in your like actual reality right now. And so if you don't have a lot of money, you're looking at your bank account, you're being like, yeah, I don't have a lot of money. That's very true. And you keep on checking your bank account and you keep on feeling like you can't afford what you want at the grocery store or going out and having fancy dinner or whatever it is. And you keep on reinforcing that belief of, I don't have a lot of money. And the universe is like, okay, so if you're going to focus on not having a lot of money, we're going to do everything we can in order to continue to reinforce that reality, because that's what you continue to focus on. I know how that sounds. (laughs) And it feels horrible saying it, but I'm just, I'm just going to go for it here. (laughs) Jose, thoughts? It's hard to parse the differences between us here. Because I think Danielle and I agree on a certain level with this first level. One of the difficulties about being extremely poor is that so much of your cognitive space is taken up by being poor that Mm -hmm. it makes the other part of your life influenced and affected by your poverty. When I understand that intellectually and I hear what you're saying, I kind of see something similar. This reinforcing of your reality, Mm -hmm. if everything is centered around your money. And I grew up extremely poor and I had another friend who grew up extremely poor and Mm -hmm. we're both very different with money and I can see the narratives about why we're different with money based on how we grew up. So I, I totally understand that part. It's this idea that there is an active universe that is like a character in a Greek tragedy, a chorus that does stuff that I find a little, um, how would I put this, um, post-rational? It almost seems as like these things happen and then we explain them backwards just Mm. using this box universe. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could explain that a little more. When we're talking about the universe sees you doing this and says that, well, what are you really saying? 
So you both talked about like frequency and vibration last time, which is easy to make fun of. And you should make fun of it. I get it. Um, It should be. (laughs) So Albert Einstein, he said, everything in life is vibration. That was one of his big things. And we know this now by like going down to the molecule, looking at the atoms, like they're all just, it's everything's just vibrating. And it's vibrating quick enough or fast enough for us to believe and experience it as like really solid. Well, that's like string theory, right? Right. That the most fundamental form of matter is in fact just vibrating energy. Yes, exactly. We also know that if you take a tuning fork and you go into a room full of a thousand other tuning forks that are different sizes, Mm -hmm. if you hit your tuning fork that you're holding in your hand, it'll find the one tuning fork in the room that matches the vibration and they'll both start ringing. And that's just sort of like another little nice, pretty example of like how frequency and vibration work. And so if you're like vibrating in this feeling of poverty, then that's going to continue to radiate out and you'll continue to live in a life of poverty. It doesn't feel fair, but like the universe is just like, hey, buddy, like I'm a mirror here. If you're going to vibrate poverty, then that's what I'm going to give you. If you start vibrating more abundance, then I'm going to start matching that. But you have to ask for it and then vibrate on a belief level. And then the universe is just going to match it. Does that kind of address what you're asking? So let's take the example straight on and and give it the best we can. If the universe is like a mirror or like a tuning fork, I don't think any of us would say, the mirror does something or the mirror thinks something or the mirror makes something. And Mm -hmm. the same with the tuning fork. They're just sort of dumb instruments of energy. Mm -hmm. I think it wouldn't be an active agent in the universe doing something. It is in many ways a projection and consequence of how we ourselves live our lives. You've got it. I think that's kind of the separation between these two different ways of looking at it. The idea that the universe rearranges reality to give us what we want is a simplified way of describing what you've described. Like the metaphor I gave last time was radio frequency. Like mm-hmm. you you tune yourself to Lamborghini radio and then suddenly like you're able to kind of tap into that portion of the universe and mm-hmm. find your way to the Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. Would you say that the like universe brings it to you as basically like a, not an anthropomorphic thing, it's just sort of the tuning fork on the other side of the room tunes back at you. Mm -hmm. Scientists are saying we know 1% of how the universe works. And it sounds like you guys are coming from like, and we wholeheartedly believe in that 1%. (laughs) And and you're saying that like the universe can like rearrange itself. That doesn't make sense because we know 1%. You know, 1% (laughs) make room for the possibility that the universe actually can do that or don't, whatever. Like we can just keep on talking about tuning forks. Just (laughs) throw that in there. Well, how you doing, Jose? Yeah, I don't think the universe does anything. The universe <laughs> is just molecules. I do think <laughs> that, well, this is another side of the issue. Do you think we're free to choose the things we truly want with the law of attraction? Yes, 100%. Hmm. And it's interesting because you've written about how part of your role as a therapist you see as people figuring out what they really want. Because sometimes we say we want a thing, but we don't actually believe it. And there are all Mm -hmm. these like obstacles in the way of actually receiving the thing. Mm -hmm. And you think that part of the work is to clear away the obstacles. Basically, I feel like my job as your therapist is to clear away all the limiting beliefs that you have and get you more in alignment with what you really want. And hopefully that thing that you want is a healthy thing that will have a positive impact on your life. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think about like people who are in really shitty situations, right? Yeah. Who People who are like abused as children or mm-hmm. people who like grow up among violence in their homes when they haven't really made any choices to find themselves there. And to say that those people are somehow asking for those things. They're in agreement with that. Okay. So the saying that they're in, in agreement with those things. Yeah. But that just seems, I mean, how could like a seven-year-old not be in agreement with that? Yeah, of course they're going to be in agreement with it because that's their reality. That's all they know. Mm-hmm. For some really unlucky reason that I don't know, <laughs> they were born into that situation. I can make guesses, <laughs> but that's a whole different podcast. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, I would take the opposite tack. I would say most of the time we don't really know what we want and maybe what What's valuable about this law of attraction stuff is that it is a process of clarification within ourselves about what we want. If you truly believed, okay, I want to play on the 40-man roster, what I really need to do is to request this of the universe and to really have the confidence that it's going to happen, I would assume that that would put you in a better position to be aware of things such that if that really wasn't your true desire, you might have a better chance of realizing that and then freely choosing some other path or lifestyle. I don't really see it in terms of obstacles. What do you mean you don't see it in terms of obstacles? I'm not so sure that a belief in my head can be oriented directly towards the removing of an obstacle because obstacles are always, well, not always, but most of the time are going to be situationally dependent. So Mm -hmm. an obstacle to me may actually be the means by which another person advances in something. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how I would feel about saying that What the law of attraction is really doing is removing some obstacle, because if it's removing my obstacle, it's adding an obstacle to someone else. Instead, I would say it gives me a chance in this heightened state of awareness of what I want and my confidence in it to actually clarify that this is what I want. And so if other substitutes come up that are more enticing to me, then I'm led off into that path. What do you think of that? Yes, I agree that the clarification is an important part of the process, but I love the way that you talked about it, Jeff, the example of like the drive through how you like 100% expect your food to show up. When I think about obstacles, I think about my own internal obstacles to that belief. I may say I want to write a book and I might really want to write a book and I might visualize myself with the book, but I don't know that I believe it with the same belief that I would at a drive through window that I'm going to get my food. I might say like, oh, that would be really great and that would be really cool, but I don't have the like, this is going to happen belief. In my own life, this is also part of what I'm compelled by with the law of attraction because I've felt a switch like that happen for me in the past where it's gone from a desire to, oh, this is going to happen and I'm going to make it happen somehow. And then it happens, but it doesn't happen until then. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, the idea of obstacles is like clearing away the obstacle internally that a fear or a feel like I don't deserve it or I have some competing beliefs or whatever those like internal obstacles are to really believing that this thing is coming to me, whatever it might be. And I totally see how that would put you in a better position. It would orient you much better. If you really sit there, uh, I mean, writing is really horrible. (laughs) 
It's a really horrible thing to do is to rant. It's true. It's, it's so true. If that's what you believe. And the more of you that's given to the great tragedy in your head about how you're a horrible writer at the same time as trying to write, I think that just takes up from you. So mm-hmm. that sort of internal stuff, I totally see. I don't think, on the other hand, that somehow really having the confidence that you're a writer wakes up an editor in Wisconsin who is then going to publish you. It's the leap outside of yourself that I don't really see. It sounds like you have really strong core belief systems about this, and the universe Mm -hmm. is going to continue to reinforce your belief systems. So as long as you keep thinking this way, Jose... The universe is going to be like, I guess this is what we're doing for this guy. <laughs> and going to keep on like reflecting it back to you. And Danielle, the more you think that there's these internal mental obstacles or struggles that are that you have to break through, the universe is going to be like, yeah, okay, then I guess we got to do some more growing in that regard. Or you can get on like um, what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm trying to like match how the universe and the laws of the universe actually work. And the closer I get to that, then the more shit I get. <laughs> Or the more like lovely people I get, or the more like challenges I get that help me grow into the person that I really want to be. Or if I want to like raise people up, like one of my main things that I feel like the best in the world about what I'm doing is lifting people up. And so I want to just keep on attracting experiences in my life where I can lift people up that like fills my heart. And the more I do that and then appreciate it and then like continue to ask the universe to do that for me, the more I'm going to experience it. Jose, the more you like dig your feet in on how you're feeling about this, the more the universe is going to give you that. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> I think good. That was, I like that. Did you? Um, okay, good. It's hard to argue, but that's just a description. <laughs> that's the yeah. problem. I mean, right. I think you've given a very good description of the differences between us and the Thank opportunities you. and the possibilities, right? Right. But in the end, it's just a description after we've said a bunch of stuff. It's not uh, prescriptive. It doesn't move us forward in terms of predicting and being able to explain things. But that may be something that's not actually necessary or even desirable you get to have the life of lifting people up that fulfills you and Mm -hmm. danielle gets to have her life that fulfills her and i get to have mine Mm -hmm. and as a theory goes what i thought was really interesting about your thesis was you're saying it's the best theory and Mm -hmm. what makes it the best i think would be does it actually work what is the test of it can you live a happy, fulfilled life using it? And I think, I mean, certainly you're presenting that you have, and I think that counts in its favor, whatever the sort of metaphysical differences I might have with it. It's not about living a happy, fulfilled life. You can use it in order to live a happy, fulfilled life. I think everybody should. But it's also like if you want to live a sad, depressing life, then you can do that as well. The universe is going to match whatever you're asking for. And the reason that I said that the law of attraction is our best theory. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's the best theory because I accept that science is letting us down. We only know 1% of the universe and how everything works, yada, yada, yada. So if you like look outside of yourself, go to like people that are like gurus or meditation masters or channels or psychics or whatever it is, if you like ask them like, hey, how's the universe work? They're all saying the same stuff over and over and over again. Everyone in a near-death experience, they like get information on how the universe works, this is what they're getting. So it's like, well, if our only access to what's really happening in the universe outside of our little 3D dimensional physical world are all these spirits that are trying to communicate with us in all these different ways, and I 
guess that's the best theory for us when we're trying to figure out how the universe really works. Does that make sense? It's sort of like we did an episode about the Buddhist idea of identity. So I was defending the Buddhist notions of identity. And Jose was like, well, I don't agree with it. It's internally consistent. And so the question now is just, is it true? What, you know, what's the argument for its truth? And so mm-hmm. you're trying to give us this like, well, this is the evidence that we have. The evidence that we have is that we ask these disparate people and they all seem to give us the same sort of answer. So that's what we've got to go on. Mm-hmm. And I think it really gets to this kind of key philosophical thing, which is when it comes down to what is the nature of the universe and what is the nature of reality, it's really hard to make an argument. <laughs> right? Totally. Like you can come up with some internally consistent thing. Mm-hmm. And Jose, to your point, does it work? If I throw the ball, can I predict where it's going to land? And I've got a theory that allows me to do that. And I think this theory is really hard to make predictions about, right? It doesn't work in the same way. It is. And I can also say it's working perfectly. Every single thing that's happened to you in your life is like working perfectly along the lines of law of attraction. Do you think this Mm. leaves room for free will? People, if they're truly free, should have the freedom to do horrible things to us, to hurt us to perhaps even murder us and end us. Mm -hmm. But if I, working under the law of attraction, had some goal or some desire that was not being mugged, not being murdered, Mm -hmm. you know, living well into my my late 30s, I'm I'm only 25. (laughs) And it seems then that other people don't have the freedom to do things to me because the universe is going to stop them. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. If somebody really wanted to kill you, they could only kill you if you like accepted and believed that you were going to die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you know, they can kill somebody that's sort of like you, maybe, I guess. Um, But (laughs) I hope they don't. But like, but how, wait, do you think that people who are murdered accepted? I mean, obviously they have some ways they don't have a choice, right? But like, but they don't have a choice. It's their time to die. Oh, (laughs) that sounds bad. But yeah, I'm sticking with law of attraction. At 50 minutes in you're going to drop this bomb (laughs) (laughs) and i will say this i cannot wait to die Um, and when I do die, or when you die, actually, I'm going to be there waiting for you being like, I fucking told you. <laughs> and you're going to be like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> well, if that happens, I will say you told me so. I cannot wait to see you on the other side. As strongly as I disagree with this, <laughs> the facts are Biggie Smalls put out an album, Ready to Die. <laughs> he then die Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there you go there's proof there's the proof that you wanted (laughs) well i don't even know where to go from here on this so so maybe we should wrap there thank you jeff so much for taking us on this journey with the law of attraction i love talking about it and i really appreciate you having me on (laughs) good okay well don't go anywhere because jeff's gonna stick around and give us his what he's been thinking about in the last couple weeks when we do our recommendation segment Our sponsor this week is Audible, and Audible has the largest library of audiobooks in the world. And Jeff, they also have many books on the law of attraction, and you wanted to give our listeners a recommendation for when they might like to listen to. Yeah, I'm going to give the OG law of attraction book. If you want to read about the right stuff and exactly how to do this, you should read the book Ask and It Is Giffen Mm. by Esther and Jerry Hicks. Really easy to read, really fun to read. They even give you little activities 
activities that you can do in order to start like manifesting whatever you want into your beautiful life. Wow. And that's, you can find that on, on Audible. I'm totally going to listen to that book. <laughs> you should. Asking it is given. <laughs> well, listeners, you can listen to that book right now for free. Just ask and it will come to you. All you have to do is go to thinkhardpodcast.com slash audible and you can start manifesting right now. <laughs> After 30 days, you will manifest one audiobook a month for $14.95 a month. You'll receive 30% off the price of any additional audiobook purchases and you can cancel at any time and those books are yours to keep even if you cancel. So again, that's thinkhardpodcast.com slash audible, thinkhardpodcast.com slash audible. Okay, now we're going to talk about what we've been thinking about since our last episode. So Jose, why don't you go first? I have two things. How I Finally Learned to Sleep by Kate Edgley. So it's a an article in The Guardian. It's kind of a longish piece, maybe more of a magazine article length piece about a woman who has, like many of us, difficulty with sleeping, the toll it takes on her and her family, you know, how horrible it is, and her kind of journey to finding a solution to being able to sleep. She went to the doctor, she took drugs, she had this really expensive memory foam, none of it worked, and then she randomly ran into this book written not by a medical professional or a researcher, but just someone who themselves had chronic difficulty sleeping. And the person just said, you know, your body knows how to sleep. Just stop thinking about it and do. And it's this kind of interesting article about how one person dealt with the difficulties of sleeping by getting to the point of realizing that you just don't fight your body. Don't try to make something happen. Just allow it. I feel like that is so appropriately chosen for this <laughs> yeah. topic, Jose. I why I chose it. <laughs> I think there's a lot to it. No, you never want to like cast aspersions at people. But you know, the sleep illness industry is huge. And so there's this kind of incentive to make you buy stuff or, you know, do stuff for it. And this kind of simplistic message of, hey, man, we have been sleeping for generations. This is a thing we know how to do. Just put yourself in the position to just do it, I think resonates in, in many ways. I love that because it is so much about that belief. You either believe you're going to go to sleep or you don't. And I really think that's the difference between sleeping and not sleeping. Mm -hmm. And the more you fight it, the more you're like, oh, man, this sucks. I got to get to work tomorrow. That actual activity of fighting it keeps you up. All right, Jeff, what have you been thinking about? I've been thinking about a favorite HBO show that I've been watching. Have you seen Succession? I have been very curious about Succession. I have not seen it, but tell me about it. Oh, God, it's amazing. Mm. It's incredibly funny and like probably the best well-written TV show on TV right now. It's really like uh, snappy and quick and dramatic. And it's about this very, very rich family and the dad who like runs the company that's like Fox News and owns like other media companies is slowly deteriorating and he has to pick one of his children to take over and their children are just horrible little turds <laughs> and the dad is just the worst person you can imagine and everybody around them are just like trying to move up and crush everyone underneath them and they all really believe that they should be the next successor for their dad but they also have a lot of fear that they're battling about like not being the chosen one uh, so like are they going to make that 40-man roster. It's just a one-man roster, and they're fighting as hard as they can. 
And it's really funny. And I enjoy it. Isn't there a Culkin Ugh, brother? And he is the best. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a slime ball. The actual real Culkins are so slimy. <laughs> so they're just like, hey, just be yourself. <laughs> and he's doing it perfectly. Is there yeah. one person you're rooting for? Yeah, I'm rooting for the daughter. She's like the most likable. And she wasn't quite sure if she wanted to like try to like take over the business. So she has like the best morals and values. But she's slowly you're like, oh, no, was she just as corrupt as these other horrible people? And you feel bad about yourself for rooting for her. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you. You should watch it. So that's Succession on HBO. Mm-hmm. Second season. Well, I have been thinking about a book that I am reading called Lost Connections by a guy named Johan Hari. And it is about the anxiety and depression industrial complex, mm. in part. And it's about the ways in which depression and anxiety have been defined in the psychological and medical fields. And he basically says the it's a chemical imbalance in your brain thing is just like one very simplified, oversimplified piece of it. And so the way he sort of makes this argument that, in fact, it is biological in part, it's psychological in part, if you've had like past traumas, and it's also sociological. And so a big part of his book is just arguing, in fact, it's not that people are sick individually, it's that we live in a culture in which even anyone would just feel crazy or depressed because we live in a depressing culture in which we are disconnected from each other. And then the second half of the book is ways of thinking about these losses differently so that you can reconnect in these ways with people. And I'm only about halfway through it. And so I haven't read the like, you know, positive part of it mm. yet. But man, the first section where he just talks about the ways in which depression and anxiety have been carved up and explained in the medical and psychological professions as just that there's so little evidence for it, I found really compelling and interesting. And I would love to hear what you think about it, Jeff, if you read it. Yeah, I'll read it. Thanks. So I highly recommend Lost Connections by Johan Hari. Thank you so much all for listening to today's episode. We'd love to hear what you have to say about the law of attraction and what you thought of Jeff's argument. So please come visit us at thinkhardpodcast.com. You can leave a comment or question for us there. You can come to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thinkhardpodcasts. Please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about us. If you are listening to us for the first time, we've got a whole amazing 50-some other episodes for you to listen to where we have different guests. And Jose and I spend a lot of our time just chatting with each other about a variety of things. Thanks to Dan Short, our editor and engineer for today's episode. Thanks to Ben Sound at bensound.com for the music for today's episode. You can follow Jose Muniz on Twitter at The Muniz. You can follow me, Daniela Sousa, at Daniela Sousa. You can follow Think Hard at Think Hard Pod. And Jeff Gunther, where can our listeners find you if they want to hear more from you? You can go visit therapyden.com to see my therapist directory there. You can also go to jeffgunther.lpc.com com to see my personal website. Cool. And are you on Twitter? People tweet at you? People tweet at me. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Jeff Gunther LPC. Cool. Well, thank you, Jeff, so much for being on today's episode. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy thank I you. manifested this. <laughs> we are too. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today's episode, everybody. And we'll see you again in two weeks. See ya. See ya.